listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. The sermon scripture for this week is from Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. You may find it on page 516 in the Pew Bible. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise child makes a glad father, but a foolish child is a mother's grief. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. A child who gathers in summer is prudent, but a child who sleeps in harvest brings shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will heed commandments, but one with foolish lips will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever follows perverse ways will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but one who rebukes boldly makes peace. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, James, for that reading. So we're doing something a little bit differently uh, today. Normally, uh, every week when we come together here in church and uh, read the Bible together, um, I really like to take a single passage and like dive into it, explore it, unpack it, find some like interesting nugget, and then try to apply it to our lives. Um, this sermon's going to be a little different. This is going to be more of a how-to sermon, how to read Proverbs. Um, I figure we've been in this book for about a month. We should probably talk about how to read it, right? That's probably a good idea. Um, And uh, this is especially important because one of the things we've been doing in this series uh, is we are trying to empower you all to actually read and engage with the Proverbs and the other wisdom literature of the Bible on your own, which is no easy task. Has anyone, like, given this a try, like, actually reading it? How's it going? <laughs> Some tentative smiles. A little tough. All right. Um, so what we're doing every week in the Going Deeper section of your bulletins, um, we're giving you uh, a passage of Proverbs that we're recommending you to read, along with some uh, reflection questions or prompts to kind of guide you. Um, I am well aware that not everyone has been doing this, and that is fine. That's A-OK. Um, but I do want to say, if, if you're looking to spend more time in Scripture, um, if maybe you're feeling stuck Maybe you're in a a bit of a dry spell. You feel like whenever you do try to read the Bible, you get nothing out of it. Give this a try. This is a a slightly different way to approach and engage the Bible, and you might find uh, some richness here. And even if you haven't been doing this uh, so far in this series, we're actually at a perfect spot uh, in Proverbs to jump in. Um, Vincent, bring up the, uh, the next slide. Perfect. Uh, We've been talking about the structure of Proverbs. We touched on this a few times. We're going to say a lot more about it today. Um, But so far, we've been in this opening section of Proverbs, chapters 1 to 9, which is a bunch of poetry about wisdom. 
But now, starting today, we are diving into Proverbs proper, this section of the book where we find literally hundreds of these short little one or two line sayings that just go on and on and on. Um, You got a sample of it uh, from the passage James just read us. I'll read some of this again um, in Proverbs 1, or 10, verse 1. A wise child makes a glad father, but a foolish child is a mother's grief. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. This goes on for 21 chapters, you guys. It's, it's daunting. Uh, it's a lot. Um, if you sit down and just try to read this, if you want to try like in one sitting to knock out Proverbs, uh, good, good luck. That's not, that's not the best way to approach this book. Uh, it's a, it can be a bit of a slog, if we're honest. So let's talk about how to read Proverbs, how to get the most out of the book, out of this book, and how to properly digest 21 chapters of this. The first piece of advice, the thing, first thing you want to do is keep in mind all the stuff we've already talked about, right? For about a month now, we've been going through all this stuff on Proverbs 1 through 9, these opening poems about wisdom. That is a primer for Proverbs proper. So let's review a bit. Uh, We met a few characters in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Does anyone remember any of the characters? Was it? Oh, I I heard all of them. I heard all of them. Let's start with the the father and the son, or the, the parent and the child, depending on your translation, right? The idea being that the speaker of Proverbs, this wisdom, is being delivered by a parental figure, and we are the children. We are the recipients. We are we are all a character in the book of Proverbs. All right, remember that? Okay. What were the other two people we talked about? Two characters? Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. You guys are doing great. Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. These two characters who call us in very different direction. Um, Lady Wisdom calls us to pursue wholeness and life, whereas Lady Folly invites us to pursue foolishness and death. One of the things you're going to find in the book of Proverbs is a lot of contrasts. It's a big theme. Uh, The righteous man does this, but the wicked man does this. Uh, The wise person goes in this direction, but the foolish person goes in this direction. That's that tug of war between lady wisdom and lady folly. All right? We've also talked about our definition of wisdom. What is wisdom? Um, We've called the one that I like, wisdom is instruction in the art of living well. I love that. Um, Wisdom is practical guidance for building a good life, a just and sustainable life. If you want to live well in the world, wisdom is your friend. So when we read Proverbs, these are not step-by-step instructions on how to get into heaven. All right, that's, that's not what we're getting in this book. This is not a guideline for here's how you achieve holiness so you can finally be better than... No. It's not a book of doctrine. It's not even on the radar of this book. Proverbs is about this life. How do we do well here? How do we find success and life on this side of eternity? That's what wisdom is getting at. Are we kind of tracking with all this so far? Okay, that's been like the last three weeks. So if you weren't here, you didn't miss much. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) 
First thing we have to do, though, when we read Proverbs, keep in mind everything we've already covered. Another thing that's really helpful when we read this book is to understand the structure of this book. We've talked about this structure, and let's bring that back up on the slides, this kind of basic two-part structure. We've got chapters 1 to 9 and chapters 10 to 31. What I want to do, though, to help you kind of understand what we're getting in this book, let's zoom in on Proverbs proper a little bit. Let's bring this up here. Because the thing you've got to know about the next 21 chapters of Proverbs is that this is an anthology. Um, It's like a compilation album. There is no logical flow here. Proverbs is pulling together centuries of wisdom from all sorts of different sources in ancient Israel. Uh, We get a little subheading, a a title for the first collection um, in verse 1 of chapter 10. It says the Proverbs of Solomon. That's like the first section of Proverbs. Are we familiar with King Solomon? Have we heard of this guy? Some of, okay, a lot of us, a lot of us are nodding. Not everyone though. Let me fill in some of the gaps. Um, Solomon was a king in ancient Israel, third king of Israel to be exact. He's, he's the son of King David, the guy who right? Uh, Goliath with his slingshot, that's David. Um, Solomon, that's my, that's my slingshot impression. Solomon is David's son. Um, He reigned in the mid-900s B.C., so a long time ago, about 3,000 years ago, give or take. And Solomon became king when he was very young, probably a teenager, maybe even a preteen. He was young when he became king. And there's this famous story in the Bible where right after Solomon becomes king, he has this dream where God tells him, ask for whatever you want and it's yours, which is a pretty good deal, right? And, and Solomon, in what is probably one of the most relatable moments in the entire Bible, Solomon's like, honestly, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm in way over my head on this. I am way too young to be king. So give me wisdom. Give me wisdom that I might lead your people. And God is like, wow, I was not expecting that. <laughs> God, God says to Solomon, you know, you could have asked for riches, you could have asked for a long life, you could have asked for fame or for me to destroy all your enemies, but because you've asked for wisdom, it's yours, and I'm going to give you the riches and the fame and all the other stuff as well. That's the story we have about Solomon, and Solomon is remembered as this incredibly wise king, one of the wisest people who ever lived. Uh, Just about all the wisdom books in our Bibles are connected back in some way to King Solomon. So this first section of Proverbs collects the wisdom of Solomon. How are we doing? We following so far? Good, awesome. Then, um, that goes from chapter 10 to 22, then about midway through 22, we get a section labeled the words of the wise. We don't know who wrote this section. We have no idea. We don't know who wrote these wise words. We're not sure where they came from, but they are other ancient Jewish proverbs that are put in this collection. Then from chapters 25 to 29, we get another section that's attributed to the, the men of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah's officials. A lot of you knew Solomon. Do you know, do you know Hezekiah? Are we as familiar with Hezekiah? Probably not. Crickets. I love it. Um, Hezekiah was another king of Israel. He lived about 250 years uh, after Solomon. Um, some scholars think that it might have been Hezekiah who actually collected all these wisdom teachings and put Proverbs in its present form. It's a a theory. Um, But we have this section of wisdom from Hezekiah's officials. 
Then you get the last two, the last two chapters of Proverbs, uh, which are super interesting because they are written by outsiders. They come to us from non-Israelites. Chapter 30 is attributed to a guy named Eger. We have no idea who Eger is. There's, there's like no Eger in the Bible outside of this. Um, we, we do, I don't know why I find this really funny. I love not knowing. Um, we do find out, though, from reading Eger's words, he's not an Israelite. He's a cultural and religious outsider to Israel. Um, and yet, Eger knows something about God and God's wisdom, which is fascinating. And then last but not least, the, the final chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs 31, is attributed to King Lemuel's mom. Um, it's an oracle that King Lemuel's mother taught him. That's how, that's how it's worded. Uh, just like with Eger, we have no idea who King Lemuel is. There is no King Lemuel in, in the Old Testament in Israel's history. There's no King Lemuel in other records from this place and time. So he's some kind of outsider, ancient, forgotten king who passes on the wisdom his mom gave him which is really interesting because we've already grappled a bit with some of the patriarchy in Proverbs, right? The way it talks about lady wisdom and lady folly using some cringy language. Um, the male-centricness of the father and the son. But this book ends, the final chapter, is wisdom from a mother. And we're going to look at that in detail in like a month. All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. We tracking with that? Structure of Proverbs? Okay, so why we go over that? Important thing to remember, what this is getting at, Proverbs is a hodgepodge. This is an anthology. There is no coherent flow to the book of Proverbs. You can look for one, and, and good luck. Um, Proverbs is not organized around themes or topics. You can't, like, open up to the chapter on parenting and just, just read. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. That is not how a compilation album works. Um, so when you're reading this book, if it's feeling a little disjointed, uh, if you find yourself wondering, like, where am I? How did I? Did I, did I skip a section? What, what do these all have to do with each other? Welcome to Proverbs. You're, you're getting it. Um, this book is organized around collections, not topics. Uh, despite all that, though, studies of the book of Proverbs are often organized around topics for some reason. Like when, when um, if you've heard a sermon series on Proverbs, other than this one, um, <laughs> or if you've ever been in like a small group studying Proverbs, what the leader or the teacher will usually do is they go through the book collecting all the Proverbs related to topic X, and they try to trace together all the themes. Now, it's not a bad way to do it. Like you can read Proverbs like that and get a lot of wisdom. Um, starting next week, we're actually going to do a little bit of that. We're going to look at some of the common themes of this book. But there are some problems with the topical approach. One, it's foreign to the book of Proverbs, right? That's usually a problem if you're, if you're bringing an, an outside framework to read a book in a way that it wasn't intended. You might miss something. But another problem is that some of these Proverbs contradict each other. Some of these Proverbs show some tensions. They have uh, different points of view, and of course they do. Right, this is a compilation of centuries worth of wisdom. Of course there's going to be some tensions. That's, that's a feature, not a bug. But it can be really confusing. Um, for example, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about wealth. Wealth, money, possessions, biggest theme in Proverbs. But we find 
some conflicting stuff. So this was from our, our reading today. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Okay. So, so if I'm reading that, like, face value, sounds like it's implying that poverty comes from not working hard enough, which is super problematic, right? A lot of problems with that. But, like, the takeaway is if I'm diligent, if I work hard, I'll get rich. So work hard, get rich. Got it. But then, in Proverbs 23, we find this. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Be wise enough to desist. (laughs) So am I supposed to work hard and get rich, or should I not work too hard to get rich? It's complicated. Um, Alcohol is another example. Um, There's a lot of, uh, like, alcohol, wine comes up a lot in Proverbs. Um... One proverb dealing with alcohol is Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Personally, I don't even have a vat, so I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm gonna have to invest. But, but I think the, I think the, the message, it's, it's presenting alcohol as, as abundant wine as one of the many blessings of, of God. Okay. But, but then we find this in Proverbs 23. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. So, so wine is a reward from God, but don't drink it because it'll sting you. Got it. Okay, keeping up with this. Um, but then a few pages later, Proverbs 31, we find this. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. I can't. I can't. So alcohol is a reward from God, but don't drink it unless you're having a really bad day. That's, do, do we see the problem with like a topical approach to Proverbs? Are we try- yes, I will, I will not be preaching a topical sermon on alcohol from Proverbs. Um, can I show one more example though? Because this is fun. Can I, show you, can I show you guys my favorite contradiction in Proverbs? Um, this is Proverbs 26, verses 4 to 5. Do not answer fools according to their folly, lest you be a fool yourself. Answer fools according to their folly, lest they be wise in their own eyes. Now they're just messing with us, you guys. <laughs> this is not fun. So do we answer a fool or not? Someone, someone said yes, someone else said not. It, someone said I don't know, that's a good answer. Smile and nod your head. It depends, right? It depends on the situation. All these tensions are highlighting a really important thing that we usually miss when we read a book like Proverbs. Wisdom is contextual. Wisdom is not universal. You can't just take a proverb and apply it in the same way to every situation in life. That's not how the book of Proverbs works. That's not how the Bible works. There will be times when a foolish person is popping off saying, foolish things, and your best bet is to just shut your mouth and ignore them. The Thanksgiving dinner table comes to mind as an example, right? But there will be other times when a fool is saying something foolish, and you need to correct them so that they will see the error of their ways. 
True wisdom is knowing the difference. We tracking with this? We get it? Yeah. We need wisdom, ironically, to apply this wisdom book well. You're going to get practice in wisdom actually trying to live by Proverbs. You need discernment. You can't just rip a verse out and use it in any situation. It doesn't work that way. Proverbs are contextual. Um, another thing, it kind of goes right along with this one. Another thing you've got to keep in mind when we read Proverbs, Proverbs are principles, not promises. Alliteration. They are principles, not promises. A central theme, uh, a kind of kind of core message, a base note that comes through over and over again in Proverbs is that if you do good things, good things will happen to you, but if you do bad things, if you behave foolishly, bad things will happen to you. It's karma, right? Like that's, that's the idea. You put good out, good will return. You put bad out, bad will return. That's true in principle, right? Like, it's true most of the time, but not always. Generally speaking, if you do good to others, uh, if you're fair, if you're honest, if you operate justly in the world, generally speaking, things will work out better for you than if you are a jerk to everyone. I don't think that's a radical statement, but not always. Sometime, sometimes righteous people suffer, while wicked people flourish. Sometimes you'll be kind to someone, you'll make every right decision, do every good thing, and they will turn around and stab you in the back. That's the difference between a principle and a promise. Principles are true in theory. They work for most people most of the time, but life is complicated. There will always be exceptions. Which, by the way, later on in this series, as we're going through the wisdom literature, we're going to talk about the books of Ecclesiastes and Job, which are two books that are all about the exceptions. So we're going to get there. We're in Proverbs, though, right now. We're still looking at the principles. You've got to master the principles before you can start navigating the exceptions. So I think the takeaway with this is that we shouldn't be too naive when we read Proverbs, but we also should avoid being cynical. Don't be naive when you read this book. Don't take Proverbs as a book of promises. It's not. Don't treat this like all I have to do is follow these steps and life will be great. That's not how life works. Life is complicated. But we should also avoid being too cynical. I don't know about you guys, but when I read a verse like this, um, <laughs> I roll my eyes a bit. Proverbs 10.3 the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Easy for you to say, King Solomon, right? I know a lot of righteous people who are hungry. But again, if we are too cynical with this, if we're too jaded, we're going to miss the point of Proverbs. These are principles, not promises. You've got to take it with a grain of salt. There will always be exceptions. Reading Proverbs well requires a certain level of maturity, a level of understanding about how the world works. You need wisdom for this book. Don't be naive, but don't be too jaded. Last piece of advice. 
about how to read Proverbs. And I think this is the one that's going to set us on track to read this book well. It's going to be challenging. Proverbs is meditation literature. We don't talk much about meditation literature. Like, that's not a huge genre uh, of, of books today. You don't, I mean, maybe some bookshops will have like a meditation section. Maybe meditation apps, not so much meditation literature. When we read books as like modern Americans, we either want a good story or we want information. Like, give it to me. Give me the points. That's not what Proverbs has given us. Proverbs is meditation literature. The book of Proverbs is designed to be read slowly. That's the idea here. It's, it's designed like a good meal to be savored and digested. You chew on it over and over, over a lifetime of discipleship. Proverbs is not a story you can just open and read like a novel. It's not a page turner. Uh, it's not a textbook that you can just go to whatever section you've got for whatever is ailing you right now and find direction. Uh, It's not a law code that's going to tell you exactly what to do in every situation. But if you meditate on these words, if you take your time and consider them, if you pray over them, the wisdom of Proverbs is going to take root in your heart and it's going to blossom in all sorts of surprising areas of your life. This is a great book to read first thing in the morning before you start the day, when you're still like half asleep. Good time to absorb some of this. Um, It's a good book to read late at night as you're like winding down for the day, thinking over your day. Um, You could read Proverbs outside in a park or when you're out on a walk. Or if you're allergic to nature like me, you can read it in a quiet space indoors with a pot of tea nearby, right? This is a book that forces us to slow down and reflect to contemplate our lives. Where have we been? Where are we going? Where might God be calling us next? That's how Proverbs is written to be read. And it prompts us to pray. Again, I'm going to direct you to the bulletin. If you didn't get a bulletin when you came in, you can grab one from the Connection Center before you go. In the Going Deeper this week, we're we're looking at four chapters this week, Proverbs 10 to 13. I'm going to tell you right now, if you follow these steps, you don't even have to read all of it. It's not exactly how we're doing it. We've got uh, a method we outline here for using Proverbs to prompt reflection and prayer. I want to encourage you to give that a try. It's not hard. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's probably a little different to how you're used to reading the Bible, um, but it is an approach that can really make Proverbs come to life in a pretty amazing way. Um, And if you are interested in talking more about prayer and scripture and what it looks like to meditate on scripture, I'm going to give one more plug for Basics 2 after church because we're going to be talking about some of this stuff in the parlor. We're done by one. There's pizza. It's going to be an awesome time, so maybe consider joining us for that. Or if not, just take this, put it by your nightstand, and give it a try this week. See how this goes, all right? Let's pray, you guys. God, thank you for the book of Proverbs. Thank you for giving us a book that challenges us to slow down and reflect. We ask that you to open up some quiet space for us this week as we are chewing on these words. Slow us down and and, uh, enable us to really reflect on and consider this book. 
Open up your wisdom for us, Lord, and help us to receive it with an open heart. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.